Hey everyone, welcome back to Head of the Pack, coming off the bye week. Matt Schneiman here with Bill Huber, coming to you Monday before the Packers fly to Tampa this weekend to face Tom Brady and the Buccaneers. And Aaron Rodgers wants you to know it is not Aaron Rodgers versus Tom Brady this weekend, so don't ask him that question, which I'm sure someone will on Wednesday. It is Aaron Rodgers versus the Tampa Bay defense. But regardless, it'll be a good game between two teams that, that people think have a chance to make it out of the NFC. The Packers are 4-0, and one of five undefeated teams left in the NFL, along with the Bills, Titans, Seahawks, and the Steelers. And the Bucks are 3-2, and lost to the Bears on Thursday night. So, Bill, give me one thing besides Rodgers and Brady that you'll be keeping your eye on on Sunday. So you're saying if Rodgers is going is he's not going to cover Gronk? Am I getting that wrong? He might. Who knows? That'd be awesome. Um, I I will go with Green Bay's running game, which has been fantastic. They are. I, I know entering this weekend's games, I believe they were fourth in the league in rushing yards and fifth in yards per carry. I might have those numbers flip flop, but they were top five in both. Tampa Bay allowing two point seven yards per carry with a long gain of fourteen. So can the Packers run the ball against that unit? That's what I'm looking for. How about you, Matt? Yeah, I think. What will be interesting to see this weekend is how the Packers match up with, you know, you could make the case the best top two wide receiver tandem in the league. I know they had Calvin Ridley and Julio Jones last week, but Mike Evans and Chris Godwin were two of the best wide receivers in the league last year. I'm wondering if they'll go the typical size speed thing with Kevin King on Mike Evans and Jair Alexander on Chris Godwin. Gronk doesn't really... If I'm the Packers, Gronk doesn't really worry me. You know, I've watched no. him this season. He's he's like an old guy out there, and he can't really move well. But um, I would expect Jair to be on Godwin if he plays. Godwin didn't play against the Bears on Thursday, and Mike Evans was banged up, still scored a touchdown. But that'll be the key. Those those four guys right there in, in Evans, Godwin, Alexander, and King, because, you know, you you touched on it. The, the Bucks' defense is is tight, even though they lost Vita Vey up front. That's a big loss for them. He'll be done for the season. But I, I think the two wide receivers for Tampa matched up against the Packers' top two corners will be the biggest key. Let's get to some news uh, out of Packers practice, which I just came back from. I don't know if this was a surprise, but Kamal Martin, the rookie inside linebacker who was slated to start in Green Bay's base defense before um, – suffering a knee injury in the preseason that landed him on IR, was back practicing for the first time since before the regular season started, as was Equinemius St. Brown, who landed on IR after week one, um, wasn't active week one. So possibly some some depth, depth and maybe even a starter with Christian Kirksey on IR coming up the pipeline for the Packers soon. The way it works, um, as you guys probably know, is they're designated to return off IR, returning to practice. So they have three week, the Packers have three weeks to decide whether or not to activate them. Um, and if they choose not to, then their season is over if, if they're not activated in those three weeks. But once they, they could play this week, they could play in three weeks, you know, they can activate them at any time during these next three weeks. Bill, I want to ask you, um, with the injury to Lazard, do you see EQ getting on the field? And does Kamal even though he hasn't gotten the the in-game reps, does he jump Chris Barnes on the depth chart right when he's healthy, or does he need to be eased back in a little bit? Yeah, those are great questions. With EQ, I'll start there since you mentioned him first. 
he he made the team. I mean, he's I mean, he's going to play, right? I mean, if he's not going to play, then there's really no point of keeping him on the roster. So I, I will say EQ will play, and he he does give you that size element that they lack without Lazard. I mean, they, they Lazard was such a great blocker. I'm not sure EQ is a great blocker, but at least at six foot four, six five, whatever he is, he does give you some of that. And, and Martin is fascinating, really, because Chris Barnes has played well. He has earned the right to be the the communication guy. And, and frankly, you know, what has Kamal Martin showed us? I mean, there, there was no preseason to put anything on tape. He is the, the great mystery, and and I, I assume you probably have to work him in. But it really will be interesting to see when they work him in and how much and if Barnes has done enough to still be that guy. It's it's really a, a fascinating sort of thing because, because we really have nothing to go on. The coaches have the, the, the practice video. We don't right. have that. So we really have nothing to base it on, really. I would I would think Chris Barnes is the guy for at least a week or two because like you said, you know, we're all high on Kamal, but that's really based off of a couple plays during a Lambo practice mm-hmm. where he would have tackled the running back if tackling was allowed. So to getting in there and tackling a Ronald Jones, a Leonard Fournette, a Dalvin Cook, you know, completely different story. And obviously the coaches know that. So I would I would like to think that we see both of those guys at least ease back in. And uh, I don't know how much room there is for EQ. I know the team wasn't as high on him entering the season as uh, maybe some of you listeners were. And I'm not saying that that's a fault of yours, but I think with Devontae Adams coming back and Robert Tanyan emerging and the running backs being really viable pass catchers that I don't really know if we'll see a whole lot of EQ uh just because I don't know if he's in a spot to jump Malik Taylor and Darius Shepard in those two wide receiver sets, which is really what the Packers play more so than three wide receiver sets. Yeah, it's a good, it's a good point. You, you mentioned those young guys. Um, I, I thought they blocked well, and especially Taylor. I thought he really blocked his butt off. And I mean, as you know, and, and his listeners know, that, that is a really big deal. You've got to go out there and be willing to do the dirty work. I'm not sure that EQ has shown that, but at least he's got the size to do it. But I, I, would, I would agree with you that those young guys really did blocked very well here against uh, the Falcons on Monday. And since we don't have much to talk about from this past weekend, since the Packers didn't play, I want to talk a little big picture because I spent the weekend watching some games and trying to gauge, you know, we've talked about throughout the season, do the Packers really have a chance to go all the way? And this was obviously the first week that, um, I mean, you obviously have a family, so much more important things to do. I've got nothing else to do here. So I was (laughs) trying to get a gauge on, the other teams, the Packers might be competing for uh, a spot in the Super Bowl or even to win the Super Bowl. Um, the Seahawks, we'll start with them. They're a really interesting team because their defense isn't very good, and the Vikings pretty much ran all over them when they won. Mm-hmm. They almost, the Vikings almost won, and Dalvin Cook wasn't even in the game for, for the parts where it really mattered. I mean, yeah, Russell Wilson got the best of them in the end, but um, the Seahawks' defense worries me. The, the, their offense can can match up with anyone, but they just don't have enough pass rush. And you need pass rush to pressure the quarterback. And obviously, as you know, and, and everyone knows, pass rush and secondary goes hand in hand. We saw what Devontae Adams did to the Seahawks secondary last year. And without a pass rush that can really get home, it gives guys like Adams uh, more chance to get open. Now, granted, they will be getting Jamal Adams back, uh, presumably, in the next in the short future, I would assume. Um, he hasn't played the past couple weeks, but 
I, I think right now, after watching the 49ers give up 47 to Miami yesterday, I know they don't have Richard Sherman or Nick Bosa, but uh, I think the, the clear front runners in the NFC are Seattle and, and Green Bay right now. Yeah, you mentioned that was a great point about the pass rush. They, they had to blitz Cousins to get to, to get to him at all, and then he carved him up. Matt, this is a little off topic, though, but would you have kicked the field goal if you are Zimmer at the end to go up eight? I sure as heck would have. And I know NBC had this NBC genius stuff on them. Really? Um, I, I would I would have kicked the field goal to go up eight. How about you? I mean, I don't blame Mike Zimmer for going for it. If there's one quarterback that you don't want to give the ball back to with a chance to potentially tie the game, that quarterback might be Russell Wilson. Mm-hmm. It could be Aaron Rodgers. It could be Pat Mahomes. But Russell Wilson's right up there. I like the decision to go for it. And I think the play call was even fine. You could have done a QB sneak, but you look at the replay and Alexander Madison just misses Madison a cuts it right. wide open hole. If he cuts it yep. right, that game's over. And I like Mike Zimmer's decision to go for the dagger and end the game right there instead of, because who knows, Russell Wilson drives down the field, gets the two-point conversion, and Seahawks win in overtime. And then you think, oh, why didn't you just go for it? All you need is one yard. So I like the decision to go for it, to kind of go for the kill in a in a game you're not supposed to win. You know, the Vikings are no place to play conservative um, at one and three, now one and four. So I, I like the decision. Yeah, I had to kick it just because it gives you two chances to win the game. You get to, to touch, you, you get a stop on the field, and then you have the two-point play to maybe try again. But yeah, I, but you're right. At the end of the day, all these coaching decisions, they always come down to execution, right? And you're right. If Madison just bounces it to the right, the game's over. So that's, I mean, that's a great point. It's timely this week because the Packers are heading to Tampa and I'll be in Tampa um, because the Super Bowl is also in Tampa. So maybe this will be the only trip the Packers take there this year. Maybe it's the first of two. Now that we have a better sense of what not only the Packers can do to get there, but after looking at some of these teams this week during the bye without the Packers playing, does your opinion change on on how likely it is the Packers get there or even win it? I mean, the Chiefs lost to the Raiders at home the first time the Raiders have won there, I believe, in six years, or it might it might have been six times. Regardless, the, the Derek Carr has been in the league since 2014, never beat the Chiefs at Arrowhead. The Steelers look good. Uh, the Bills or Titans, one of those teams is not going to be undefeated anymore since they play each other tomorrow night. Just gauging what everyone around the league has done where would you put the Packers in terms of Super Bowl uh, favorites? I, I still think they're, I still tend to put them behind the Chiefs and the Seahawks. So I would say the Packers are third best team. I think they're better than the Ravens. Um, what about you? I might go Ravens one because I don't know how they would handle Lamar Jackson running. Uh, I, I would put them number one in the NFC, though. You know, you mentioned Seattle's defense is terrible. That they can't stop any quarterback. They they couldn't stop Rodgers in the playoffs last year. Um, I mean, look, I mean, it all comes with the asterisk that it's four games in. I go, I go back to the 2011, and a, and a lot of listeners will, will remember. I mean, they were 13 and 0, and they're stomping everybody into the ground. Then then they lose at Kansas City, and the wheels just kind of came off. They go to 15 and 1. Then obviously there's stuff with with Joe Philbin's son and everything. Kind of was kind of a factor there too. But I mean, they, they just weren't the same team after the, those first 13. So as great as they looked for most of the year, they when it counted, they they weren't as good. But um, yeah, I, I would put a number one in the NFC. I, 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 don't, I don't like Seattle's defense. 
And they have had good luck against Russell Wilson over the years. So I, I think that plays in your favor. It all depends where you get him. Russell Wilson's never won at Lambeau, and that stayed true last year. You know, obviously in Seattle, the fortunes haven't been as great. So it's really important this year because, remember, only one team gets a bye in the playoffs in each conference. Great point. Yeah, you know what? And even if there's no fans there, Green Bay's home field advantage with no fans, obviously with, with it being bitterly cold perhaps in January, is obviously a better home field advantage than than Seattle with no fans. But I, I would take them over Seattle. Uh, Tampa Bay just looked horrible, and, and you hate to base too much off of one game. But they didn't look very good last week. Dallas has no defense, and the NFC East is, is awful anyways. Um, San Francisco doesn't look the same. I, I know they're beat up, but they just don't look the same. I mean, they go up that many points to the Dolphins. Good gracious. So I would I would say Green Bay is the cream of the NFC, and I would be curious to see them against Mahomes or Jackson in, in a Super Bowl. Yeah, that would be fun. And, and I know Jair Alexander uh, – said it on NFL Network the other day, him and Lamar Jackson, the two college buddies, have talked about the potential of facing off in a Super Bowl together. Now, listen, let's preface this with the fact that we know it's only week five or week six now. Um, So we know this is very premature, but what else do you guys have to do than listen to us speculate about the Super Bowl, (laughs) right? Uh, Quickly, before we get out of here, nice, nice, fast listen for you guys today. Go through some injury updates. We already talked about Kamal Martin and EQ. Uh, Kevin King and Tyler Irvin were the only two guys on the 53, not named Josiah DeGuara, uh, who's out for the season with a torn ACL, who did not practice today. Kevin King had the quad, uh, suffered quad injury. He suffered uh, in Monday's game against the Falcons. Tyler Irvin's dealing with a wrist issue. So you got to have King for this game, just for the matchup against possibly Mike Evans, maybe even Chris Godwin. It'll be interesting to see uh, what the Buccaneers have on the injury front, uh, see if Evans is back to full health with the long week to heal and see if Chris Godwin plays. But that's pretty much all we've got for the Packers on the injury front. You would expect Devontae and Kenny Clark to play, right? Because both guys sounded like they were going to play last Monday. And you think it's a foregone conclusion with with the bye week? (laughs) I hate to say anything because I thought it was a foregone conclusion last (laughs) week. Um, But yeah, I... If Adams was so close last week and Clark was so close last week and they practiced all, well, not last week, you know, prior to the bye, it's hard to imagine those guys aren't going to be ready. And, you know, what a masterstroke by LaFleur, too. Yeah, I don't know if he's looking at the standings and looking at, well, we've got three wins here. We could roll the dice with a fourth against a bad team. I don't I don't know if he thinks like that. I know us as reporters and fans do, but what a genius move by LaFleur to give the roll the dice, give those guys one more week. And now you got this big showdown game against Tampa Bay where you're going to be pretty gosh darn close to full strength. I mean, I don't, we don't know about Kevin King. I, w- I would think Irvin will be fine too, since he played last week, but to, to roll the dice and get through those games undefeated with what your, I mean, these guys are two of your top four or five players to get, to get through that stretch without them. Amazing. Great job by LaFleur, either great luck or, or, Great job, one or the other, but um, huge to get those guys presumably back healthy for this one. Yeah, and it was a nice gamble that paid off against his old boss in Dan Quinn. So we'll see what that means for the Packers going forward. Like we said, they've got Tampa this Sunday, 3.25 p.m. Central Time. I'll be there uh, all masked up, probably double mask in the press box in Florida. Uh, As always, keep tabs on what Bill's got going on over at SI. I'll have my stuff over at The Athletic, and we'll talk to you guys on Sunday evening after the game. Thanks for listening. Thanks, everybody.